Welcome to Legacy Church. My name's Neil, if you don't know me, I'm an associate pastor. And I uh, just wanna say thank you for being here. If it's your first time, if you haven't been in a while, we'd love to connect with you. You can stop by our Welcome Center on your way out. And uh, we'd just love to give you a gift to help you grow in your faith and maybe help you take your next steps. If you've been coming for a while and wanna just learn how to get involved, we'd love to connect with you. If you're joining us online, Thank you for being here and for tuning in. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at as well. So today, we're beginning a new series in the book of Proverbs, okay? It's gonna be a great series that's gonna carry us kind of through the summertime. Uh, Each week, we're gonna take a different section of Proverbs and talk about its application to us Uh, If you know anything about Proverbs, you know, it was, most of it was written by Solomon, who was the son of King David, and I encourage you to look at his story. It's a triumphant story of God working through the thick and thin of life, and uh, this morning, we're going to kind of dive right in. I have uh, some necessary news uh, about one of our mission partners this morning. Um, It's... It's sombering news, so bear with me if I get emotional about it. Um, You know, when we seek to establish partners in missions, we look for people who are sold out, right, for the mission of God. We seek people who we would be comfortable saying, hey, just come preach on our stage, because when we go to wherever we go, we speak on their stages, and one of our partners that we established is called Bread of Life Africa. So uh, Bread of Life was established uh, 15 years ago or so uh, by a guy named Joel Maregua who spoke here recently and uh, my old boss in Colorado named Ernest Smith. They, they got together and they pioneered this mission specifically targeting unreached people groups, people who hadn't heard the gospel message before. And so years ago, This was going probably 13 to 14 years back. Joel met a guy named John Malolo. And he and John Malolo began this this pioneering stage of Bread of Life where they started exploring different areas of Africa, of Kenya specifically, trying to figure out if if they had favor in that area or not, if, if God's blessing was on them in this specific region or not. They eventually found themselves in a town called Lodwar, and in Lodwar, they met a, uh, a few people who told them about the, the, these people that lived out in the desert, right? People who, who <laughs> were still living a very nomadic lifestyle. And so Joel and Malolo started walking out into the desert. They brought some stuff on their back to eat and, and to camp with. They met some people and they would go back to Lodwar and kind of refuel. They got bicycles and they went a little bit further. And early on in this mission, they met a guy named Mika. Now, Mika was the first disciple through Bread of Life. And if you fast forward to 2023, there have been hundreds of people who have come to know Jesus through this ministry, maybe even thousands. It's hard to even put a number on it. Uh, Mika was a man just devoted to the things of heaven, like passionate, servant-hearted. <laughs> this is before I get emotional. Uh, two, two nights ago, man, Adam does something to this stage to make you cry. Um, 
two nights ago, Miko was at home with his family and somebody broke in and there was an altercation and, and Miko lost his life uh, here on this earth. He's, he's in eternity now. Um, and Mika was one of the strongest men of faith I've ever met, man. Like, if there's somebody you don't doubt is in heaven, it's Mika. I just last year was with uh, Mika and, and Malolo and, and Joel and, and his wife. Uh, I took the, those guys on a retreat when I, was, when I brought our team to Africa. I took those three guys uh, on a retreat and spent a few days just with them, just caring for them, chatting with them. Over the years, Mika and I have become close, and Mika was one of those guys who was so tender, like, like had just the softest, most gentle voice, but when he preached, man, like, a fire was released. Like, he was passionate, man. Like, like I can't even describe Mika's passion. He would be my, my translator when I would preach in this, in this church in Africa. And, and man, I, I would, you know, like when you're talking with Mika, it's, it's just this very, uh, just very gentle conversation. He would be like, what did you say, you know? And, and it's, it's very calm. But when I'm preaching, man, like, like I'm, I'm preaching, like, you know, the word of God says this. And, and Mika's like, speaking in Africa, you know, in Kenyan, like, bah, like, not Kenyan, but you know, whatever, uh, some, uh, what's the language? Turkana, yeah. Anyway, uh, we view our, our mission partners as an extension of our church. It's the whole reason we have a partnership. We don't just financially support them, but we trust them with uh, the same things that we trust our staff here with. And so um, to lose Mika is, is a major uh, loss for us, a major gain for heaven. Um, and so be praying for Bread of Life Africa. This is the third missionary that they've uh, lost in the last three years. And uh, the enemy wants to stop what's going on, but he's not gonna stop, man. He's not gonna stop what God's doing. So the Lord's been doing works that you can't even put words to. And uh, to lose somebody like Mika is gonna create a fire. You know, the Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who trust him and work according to his purpose. And uh, Let's just say big things are gonna happen as a result of this, so be praying for bread of life and for what's to come. Uh, let's get back to Proverbs. Matthew Henry said this about the book of Proverbs. The best comment on these rules, Matthew Henry was a theologian, if you're wondering who's just this Matthew Henry guy. The best comment on these rules is to be ruled by them. You know, we read Proverbs and there are a lot of like, do this, don't do that, act this way, don't act that way. And it can be, uh, you know, a little bit like standoffish sometimes, but uh, Matthew Henry's advice is to not read them as rules, but to just let them like kind of direct our life in the things that we do and the things that we say. I, uh, wanna, I wanna ask you this question, okay? How many of you have ever gotten in trouble with your words before? Okay, yeah, if, if you're not raising your hands, okay, let's talk after service. The question should probably be, okay, how many people this morning have gotten in trouble with their, with their words? Okay, uh, the, everybody did not raise their hand, it's not an early riser, okay? It just came straight to church. Uh, I hope today we gain two things, okay? One would be the holy freedom to keep our mouths shut. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, come on. The other is this, this spiritual boldness to speak when necessary. Uh, I want to say this. Just because we have something that we can say doesn't mean we have to say it, okay? Uh, we often leave gaps in our communication. I told this story before at Legacy Church. It was a while back, so I'm gonna tell it again. If you haven't heard it, pretend like you haven't heard it. Laugh when it gets to the punchline. Um, but years ago, when I was in college, I, uh, you know, each, each year is a two-year program that I did, and both years, there was a, like 180 students total. So you got to know everybody in your school, right? So each year started with this camp, and at the camp, you got to know everybody, you got to build relationships with everybody, and I came, you know, straight from Virginia out to Missouri, the first year of the camp, of, you know, the school started at the camp, and we're all talking in this big circle, and um, first, you know, I've, I've always thought certain things are funny, you know, I tell jokes every now and then, and, and the, 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 you know, the circle got to me, and we're just getting to know one another, kind of you know, just for fun, and, and I thought in that season of life, I, you know, this season, I don't think it would be as funny. In that season, I thought it was funny. Well, yeah, anyway, I, uh, I told people I was called into celibacy, and, you know, celibacy is, you know, like withholding from marriage and stuff like that, and I don't know why I thought it was funny, but I did. So the year goes, you know, the, well, you know, it circled back to me, and I was like, I'm playing, you know, I'm not called into celibacy, it was just a joke. So the full year goes by, and the second year students come in and we're all getting into, to know each other and everything. We do the camp and then we get to, into our school routine and uh, this rumor starts going around. And at this point in time, man, I had completely forgotten. Like that happened in the moment. I thought it was a funny spur of the moment thought. It circled back to me. I said I was joking. That was done. Never was in my brain again. Well, the second year rolls around. People are gonna know each other. And this rumor starts spreading that I'm called into celibacy. And I, honestly, I was like, this is a weird rumor, right? Like, it's not like they're saying like, oh, he's a drunk or, you know, oh, he's like sleeping around. Like, they're like, he's called into celibacy. And I, I was just like, that's weird, right? So, so I start tracing it back and I was like, who did you hear this from? Like, who's spreading this weird rumor about me? And I traced it back to myself. <laughs> apparently somebody got up to use the bathroom or something and I didn't relay the message to that person and they carried it for a year and then started telling other people. So, you know, oftentimes these gaps in our communication can lead to uh, misunderstandings. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, let's start with that in the book of Proverbs. 18.21, super quick and easy. It says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have the power to build people up with our tongue, and we have the power to destroy people with our tongue. It's the same tool, right, our mouth. We have the power to bring life, speak spiritual vibrancy into people, and we have the power to bring such pain and hurt and brokenness to people. As I was prepping for this sermon, I was reading through different stories, and I don't even wanna share some of the stories that I read that, uh, I mean, remove spiritual things 
from the power of the tongue and, and let's just like be in the world for a moment. Like the, the, the things that people say to people, the bullying that happens has led to death. The brokenness that people speak into one another breeds brokenness. One of my pastors used to always say, hurting people hurt people. It's so easy to project our brokenness and our pain and our hurt onto somebody else instead of speaking life. But at the same time, if we learn to tame our tongue, to carry ourselves in wisdom of the spirit, and we can speak great life into people. I was reading about... C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, if you don't know them, they were, they were professors, authors, uh, great men of faith. There's this quote I wanna read, I think it's on the screen. Um, uh, this is, this is uh, J.R.R. Tolkien talking about C.S. Lewis and his influence in his life. He said this, the unpayable debt that I owe to C.S. Lewis was not necessarily influence as it is ordinarily understood, but sheer encouragement. This was written in a letter. He was for long my only audience. Only from him did I ever get the idea that my stuff, my writings could be more than a private hobby. But for his interest and unceasing eagerness for more, I should never have brought the Lord of the Rings to a conclusion. If you don't know anything about the Lord of the Rings, it was one of the most, one of the highest grossing, uh, not only uh, um, pieces of literature, but also movies, uh, franchises to, uh, still to this day, between the, the books and the movies, these things grossed nearly $5 billion, um, and they're still making spinoffs and everything, and and selling stuff, um, and so the, but the money aside, the influence that, that J.R.R. Tolkien had through his writing of things like The Lord of the Rings just inspired hope and spiritual guidance to a lot of people. Uh, and that was just through C.S. Lewis's encouragement to him. He would read some of the stories that he would write and be like, man, like this stuff, like this, this has merit if you would introduce it to the world. Let's read uh, what James says about words. Uh, we're gonna go to James chapter one and we're gonna look at, at, at uh, verses five through 12. James says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, 
These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What we understand is this strength of the tongue. There is power in the words that we communicate. James says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. This is where I was talking about that holy freedom to keep our mouths shut. <laughs> There's more in the Bible about not speaking than there is about speaking. I don't know about you, but I've gotten into more trouble with my words than I have by not saying anything, personally. Proverbs 8.13 says this, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Oftentimes we have this like urgency to say something and it's either not our place to say something or it's not the right timing. Right, we, we are so like inclined to just project, to just spill, especially with our modern tools, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all those things. It's so easy to speak before we listen or to speak when it's not necessary. Again, just because we have something we can say doesn't mean that we should say it. Holding back our words is self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We're taught in Scripture to eagerly desire the fruits of the Spirit. Self-control is one of them. If you have trouble with holding your words, if you speak too quickly, if you don't wait for, for words before you speak, if you have trouble listening, my encouragement is to grab somebody and say, hey man or woman, I need help. Walk with me, keep me accountable, and be honest with people. It's so easy to, have, you know, to try to get somebody to hold you accountable to something like this and, and just be like, yeah, I'm doing fine in it. But be honest with people. You might need to ask for forgiveness for things that you have said in the past. This is an act of humility, another fruit of the Spirit. Pride says nothing I've said or done is bad. Or it was in the past, I don't need to bring it back up, right? You know, part of having a healthy marriage, part of having healthy relationships with family members, with friends, is this uh, setting, this act of setting your pride down and saying, I messed up in this area, forgive me for it. Uh, we've had to do that plenty of times. We have this boldness with our, uh, with our devices to speak and to just blabber on about things that make no difference. We should use spiritual discretion and in, in what we should and shouldn't speak into. So the question is, what are the things that my voice should be used for? What are the things that I should 
speak into you? What are the things that I should use my voice for? The first thing is to spread the gospel. Jesus tells us in his great commission to go and speak the gospel to all nations. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what do we use our voice for? First of all, we spread the gospel. Second of all, to edify the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ, to speak life into one another. We can encourage one another in our gifts. We can tell people about how much they mean to us. We can build up people. A lot of people view this as an area of pride. I'm, like it feels feminine to tell people you're doing a good job. No, let's set our pride down, buckle up and say, man, you are doing great at, at caring for one another or you're doing great in the way that you serve or find something about somebody to encourage them in. Let's set our pride down. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Too many people are speaking negatively. Too many people, even in the context of church, are creating rhythms of brokenness where, we, where we're just holding on to things that don't matter. Let's set our pride down, let's seek truth, and let's speak life into one another. Guess what, he says do this more and more, encourage one another more and more as you see the day drawing near. It looks like the day's drawing near. I don't know, we, we don't, we're not supposed to know the day or time. And because of that, whether the day is later today or in 100 years, every day of your life is a day closer to that day. So more and more every day, let's build one another up and encourage one another and speak life into one another, especially in the body of Christ. So what do we use our words for? To spread the gospel, to edify the body of Christ, to confess sin. Great strides are taken when we don't let sin sit in darkness. One of the greatest abilities of our tongue is to bring sin to light to shine the light of Jesus on sin. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Whether it's in the context of your group, your marriage, your uh, relationships with your family members, your uh, a pastor, uh, a, somebody that you know who's a strong believer, we have to confess sin. We can't let sin build and build and build. We have to bring things to light. So we spread the gospel, 
We edify the body of Christ, we confess sin, and we gently speak truth to one another. We gently speak truth to one another. And this is where things can get dicey. It's easy for people to see others in sin and to see others doing things that are wrong and, and to just come right out and be like, man, I saw you doing this and I saw you acting in this way. Well, if we don't have a relationship with somebody, man, we're gonna be pushing, we're gonna be those, that we're, we would look like those Christians that people talk about that say, hey, they're just, they are just condemning and hypocritical people, right? Because we all live, we all deal with sin. We all have our struggles. And when we just come right out and just like condemn people for things, we're doing more harm than good. But when we build relationships with one another, when we establish rhythms in a, a small group of believers, and we have a rapport with other people, if we see them straying from something, we can speak into it. We have the, the, the rapport to be able to speak into things that we see. You can kind of learn a structure of this in Matthew 18, where we you know, go straight to the person. If they're not willing to listen, we grab another person and, and, and speak. And if they're not willing to listen, we bring it to the elders of the church. And you can read about that on your own time. Um, but just... When it comes to, to speaking truth to people, let's realize, okay, one of our objectives is to see that the world is discipled. And let's think about how certain ways in which we live, certain ways in which we handle situations is viewed by the people we're seeking to disciple, the people that we're seeking to lead into the presence of Jesus. And let's understand that in those, the context of establishing relationships with people and having strong rapport, we can speak life into the places where people are pursuing death. And then finally, and there are plenty more, but these are the five things that stuck out as us prepping. The final thing uh, that we can do with our voice is communicate expectations and boundaries. Unmet expectations are often a result of poor communication. Unmet expectations are often a result of poor communication. All right, take a, a marriage for example, okay? Think about it this way. When two people get married, they both have their upbringing, okay? So one person might have been brought up in a way, let's say that the wife was brought up in a way that like the, there were shared responsibilities with specifically the dishes, okay? So mom would do dishes, dad would do dishes. They would kind of take turns doing dishes. And then the husband was brought up in a household where, hey, my dad was the one that did the dishes every time. Like he just, he hammered out the dishes. And imagine those two people getting married and never communicating about small things or, uh, you know, they, they never developed any sort of like uh, communication uh, style when it comes to handling small things. And so the two get married and, uh, you know, the dishes pile up and, and you know, the, the wife kind of just does the dishes. And, and then there, there's like, a, you know, a little bit of, of tension, like, you know, 
I thought you were gonna do the dishes. Nope, okay, I'll do it. So, you know, then the dishes pile up again. And uh, wait, hold on, I said this wrong. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, guys, okay? <laughs> Man, I was honestly, I was like in this rabbit hole in my brain, like, how am I gonna do this? But I'm just gonna be honest, I was wrong in the way I delivered it. So, but you know what I'm saying, okay? So that, that miscommunication, as people, as, as the marriage kind of grows, you know, that the, the dishes pile up, and, and again and again, the, the husband's like, okay, I'm just gonna do it, and that can turn into something where it blows up, and over time, that can lead into more, but early on, if there's clear communication set, you can work things out. So that unmet expectation was the expectation of, hey, I thought you were going to do the dishes every time, right? So when we, you know, have poor communication in just our day-to-day, whatever that is, whether it's within the context of our marriages or within the context of just the way that we serve one another at church or in our groups or whatever it is, if we don't have clear communication, we can often have and experience unmet expectation. And that unmet expectation can build up and build up and build up and uh, it can eventually blow up if we don't learn to communicate well. Now, when it comes to boundaries, non-communicated boundaries or miscommunicated boundaries or simply a, a lack of understanding can also lead to great trouble. We have to set boundaries in our work, we have to set boundaries in our relationships, in our hobbies. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We have to set boundaries. One of the boundaries that I set early on in our marriage, just I, I felt like it was a necessary thing to do is, is uh, well, multiple, but one of them is, well, this even goes, this predates marriage, this goes into my ministry specifically, but is I never ride in a car with somebody of the opposite sex. It's just not something I do. It, it, it's not that it would be bad to, you know, ride down the street and drop me off somewhere, uh, but it's just a, a very strong boundary that we have in place to make sure that there's never even anybody that looks at me riding with a person of the opposite sex and thinks there could be something going on, right? So things like that, things like my wife and I have uh, easy access and know the passwords to all of our stuff, our phones, our emails, all, everything, ev- literally everything. And then within the context of, of work, I have a very clear, um, every, every Friday, I don't look at work at all. And it's devoted strictly to uh, kind of a Sabbath day for me where I'm, I'm resting, I'm spending time with my family and uh, dip back into my emails and everything on Saturday. But on Friday, if you've ever tried to get a hold of me, I've not responded. Uh, that's just a boundary that I've set in, in my work. So it's, it's very necessary for us to set boundaries, to, to be held accountable to these boundaries. It helps us stay out of trouble for specific things, and it helps us just to kind of rein in uh, what could potentially happen. Now, those are a handful of things that we should use our voice for. Uh, I'm gonna try to power through the rest of this because I see we're running short on time, but the second question would be, what are things that I should not use my voice for? Okay, uh, we, we talked through five things we should use our voice for. What are some things that we should not use our voice for? Number one would be lying. Colossians 3, 9 through 10, 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So number one, we shouldn't lie. Number two, we should not have prideful exclamations. Proverbs 18.2 says that a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Uh, we see this time and again when, when people tell us things like, you know, when we were young and, and before we had gotten married, people would be like, just wait until you get married. Man, things are gonna be tough. And, uh, and, and having a kid, people are like, just wait until your kid gets to this age. It's gonna get tough. And, you know, like there's always like the next thing where it's like, just wait. That's a prideful exclamation of somebody knowing that, that they're in a spot where you're not and they wanna speak what it's like to be in that spot, right? Uh, and those things, man, we need to be speaking life. I, I remember thinking, like when we were pregnant, we, you know, from countless people would be like, oh man, it's gonna, it's about to get hard. And I remember it was, um, it was, who was it? Joe Clark, no, there's somebody here. It was Tim Kibler. Tim Kibler said, man, having a daughter is the best thing that's ever gonna happen to you. And that's the one piece of advice that stuck out. Because he knew it's hard, like we know parenting's gonna be hard. We don't have a kid to be like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Like, I'm gonna have somebody else to do dishes, right? <laughs> like, like we, we have a kid knowing it's gonna be hard. When, when we get married, right? Like, we don't get married and think, oh man, like marriage is gonna be the easiest thing we've ever done. Like, I'm just gonna have a wife or a husband in the house all the time. Like, we know it's gonna be tough. And so we should build people's marriages up. We should be speaking life into people's marriages. When we see a young couple who are following Christ and they're on the verge of marriage, man, we should build them up. We should be like, man, marriage is awesome. And we should take them under our wing and coach them in the things of holiness. And that's the importance of gathering people together and being close to one another because that's when we have the ability to speak life into them. When we see people who are about to have a baby, we shouldn't be like, man, it's gonna be hard. We should be like, man, like having a baby is amazing. I'm so excited for you. We need to use our tongue to speak life. Another thing that we should not use our tongue for is talking people down. James 4, 11 through 12, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We are to not talk down on one another. Uh, we've gotta speak life into one another, speak hope into one another. People are already hurting with their own pains, right? Like people are already going through their own frustrations and their own hurt. We have to speak life. Another thing we shouldn't use our tongue for is, is to gossip. Proverbs 20, 19 says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. We shouldn't gossip. We shouldn't have corrupt talk. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. We shouldn't bear false witness. We shouldn't fight battles that aren't yours. 
We shouldn't stand for things that aren't godly. The list could go on and on and on. If you read through specifically Proverbs and then you read through other scriptures in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there, are story, there is story after story after story about what not to say. So to kind of sum things up here, I wanna ask this, how can we decipher between when to speak and when not to speak. You know, we've, we've got some, uh, some tools of like, this, this is what we should speak into, and, and we know some things that these are what we shouldn't use our tongue for, but when it's kind of that grayer area, how do we know, how can we decipher what's of, the, what's of the spirit, what's of the enemy, how can we decipher that? First of all, we should seek the spirit, seek the truth of the gospel. Adam hit on this last week, and I encourage you to go back and listen to his sermon uh, but we should seek the Spirit. We should eagerly crave the gifts of God. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We should seek the Spirit. We should seek godly wisdom. That's why it's important for us to get in community so that we can seek godly wisdom and hold each other accountable if we have a hard time holding our tongue on issues, if we don't know what to say when we, and, or what we need to say, if we have a hard time even believing the truth, we seek godly wisdom. And finally, when in doubt, just don't talk. <laughs> right? So, uh, Proverbs ten nineteen says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And then James 1, 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. As I kind of wrap up here, the bank and head on back, we learn in the gospel of Matthew that we'll all give an account for every evil word that comes out of our mouth. I wanna read this for you, Matthew 12, verses 36 through 37. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I don't know about you, but I would rather err on the side of caution. <laughs> I would be so embarrassed if I got to heaven and had to give an account for every word that I spoke and I had to tell them something like, man, I was on Facebook and what do you know about Facebook, Lord? I was on Facebook and I posted a picture of a 14-inch rainbow trout. And people were like, that's 11 inches. And I jumped down their throat, man. That is not 11 inches. I would be embarrassed to say stuff like that. You know, and we get on this, off on this tangent. I would be embarrassed if there was some uh, non-eternally significant issue that I took up with a church that I held so strong to that I ended up disgruntledly leaving or, or just like 
holding this bitterness every Sunday and throughout the week, I would be embarrassed. I wanna go to heaven knowing I made mistakes, but I took precaution against my pride by abstaining from things that stand in my way. I took precautionary measures against my natural desire to do X, Y, and Z by setting up boundaries. Let's be a church that understands the power of the tongue. I want to challenge you this week to do this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this challenge down or if, if you just have your phone, shoot a quick text to yourself or something. Because if you're like me, I, don't, I can't find my notes section. Uh, <laughs> I want you to, to find just one thing, just one thing that you can do to improve the usage of your tongue. Okay, whether that's uh, recognizing an area that you abuse it or recognizing an area that you can be more fruitful in by using your tongue. So recognize one thing that you can do, write it down, and every single day this week, make it a practice to do that, to abstain from whatever usage you have or to put application to a benefit of the tongue. It can be things like instead of cursing at drivers, you're a little bit more passive. Instead of bickering at your spouse, you learn better rhythms of communication. Instead of gossiping about a coworker or family member or a church member, we learn that we are all broken people and uh, we learn to be a little bit more uh, passive with people's struggles. The list could go on. Those are kind of just some ideas. Uh, as we kind of close, two things for us. First of all, we're gonna sing a song called I Speak Jesus. And so in your reflection, maybe even take this song, maybe, maybe there's like this rapid fire list coming through your brain of all these things that you could do or shouldn't do. Uh, spend a little bit of time with the Lord working through that list. You can take communion. We've got the elements of communion up here and I encourage you to use that as a, as a time of reflection with Jesus. Maybe spend a little bit of time with him first and, and say these are the, the things that I've done. You know, we're, we're told to con, confess and um, these are the things that I've done and, and, and then when you kind of work through that a little bit, you can take these elements of communion to remember the fact that Jesus broke it all, gave it all for us in the midst of our sin. And then let's praise the name of Jesus. Let's magnify his name. Speaking Jesus over our families, over our church, over our community. Let's use this song as a, as an, as a fuel for our soul to use our tongue in the most beneficial way possible, and that's to speak the name of Jesus. Let's pray.